Tea's piping hot tea is brewed and ready to be shared over a table of contemporary conversations with you. Welcome to the analysis table, where we conversate, interrogate, laugh, and weep as we stand in the commoner's gallery feasting on matters of public interest. If your friends laugh a little because you love to unpack and you're always addressing, this is the show for you. When the teapot stops whistling, I hope the food for thought is filling. Hello everyone and welcome to the Tea with Tea podcast. Today's episode title is Justice for the Damned and with me in studio I have Sibane Malo. Hi Sibane. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> it's all good and well. I can't really complain. How are things? Oh gee, I'm good. I'm tired. I feel like that's my like go-to statement. It's true, mm-hmm. but I don't have anything else to say besides I'm tired these past few weeks. I wish I could say something different, <laughs> but I'm really tired. And mm. capitalism is kicking my ass, so <laughs> I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm great. No, I'm tired. And I'm glad it's the weekend. And it rained today, so I'm really happy. I love water. I love the water. I love the rain. So mm. I'm great. I'm a little nervous, but uh-huh. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm happy to hear that. And that line you said about <laughs> Gladys the weekend <laughs> reminds me of that line. Like we live for the weekend. Honestly. You know? Yeah, because we live for the different. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy to have you here, Sabane. And as a writer, content strategist, and events consultant, who yeah. is based in Kigali, Rwanda, what are you? currently listening to what are you currently reading what are you currently watching and um, what are the consistent themes there currently listening to i'm listening to timeless by Debido. i know it's like the popular thing right now and other people have issues with (laughs) listening to things that are trending but i'm like let me listen to it i was actually attracted by a song by the caveman i said on someone someone's story i think i was like this is so nice so that's how I, I, I got into the album. I love, love, love the caveman. And that's mm. been my jam. Uh, I like the vibe. It's different. It's different from like your usual Afro beats. It's got like those, I, it's a, I think it's called an organic sound. I don't remember, but it's nice. Mm. What am I watching? I haven't really had time to watch anything. Valid. But I think the last interesting thing I watched was, I think I shared it with you. It's a lecture by mm. Buso Koza. So he has this, this, I think it's a six-part lecture. It talks about the Battle of Isandlwana, which was a fight between, I think, Zulus and white people. So he talks. He basically talks about that. And then in this chapter three, he invites one of my favorite jazz artists, Nduduzo Makatini. Mm. Now Dr. Nduduzo Makatini to talk about the role of music in that battle, like, uh, Amahubo, as they call them, like, Amazu. So mm. just talking about Amahubo, the history of, it, they just went in deep into it, like, the history of that type of music, how colonialism has changed, even sonic, like, sound, and how we sing, no musical notes, all of that. Mm. You just think maybe it's the language, or it's the 
traditions that they took away but even like the way we sing the way we write music so they go deep into that mm. and how maybe even the battle of Isandlwana was won through one may argue that was won through music and how music in African society is is more than just like they were comparing it so for the western world it's for oral it's for pleasure you want to mm. listen to something and feel good but for a lot of african societies making reference to a lot of nguni cultures music mm. was more than just for enjoyment if people were in pain they sang if people were meeting just like a little gathering just like to describe the circumstance in that moment and so even the battle of isandlwana one may argue that they wanted through music because it's such mm. a powerful spiritual thing and yeah it was it's a very interesting lecture it even goes deep into how colonizers at some point forced every african home in, in south africa to own a piano because like mm. they were trying to break the harmonic structure of africa you know how i think we have traditionally we have five strings Mm-hmm. I think I think it's five strings, whereas Western has four or something. And so they were mm. trying to break that harmonic structure. And uh, it's, it's, it's super deep, super interesting. Yeah, I can go on yeah. about it. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful because it also just shows how there is an emergence of a history of where we've come from into where we are now. So. Yeah as you talk like you spoke about the progression then of how music has changed from pre-colonial times to you'd say post-colonial sort of environments mm-hmm. and if there is like that time delineation what it means for mm-hmm. people what it has meant for our evolution and what it has meant for i, I guess the bigger picture that is uh, such an interesting sort of i think content consumption in a world where you see there's a lot of conversation currently happening about who we are, where we come from, what mm. we need, what we, what is owed to us, like for the lack of a, a better term. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. see that kind of disruption that you spoke of, a, seeming, a seemingly innocent thing, actually. If you tell the story in a different context, someone's like, wow, look at what they did. They gave us this beautiful musical instrument to add into our culture and yet it's a completely different ideology that pushed that narrative and had that entire outlay I'd say of experiences or events. I think you spoke about the Battle of Isandlwana and when you spoke about it you mentioned something about Amazulu fighting back and today's theme is justice and it's like justice for a particular group of individuals which we're going to speak about as we continue to speak but in your sort of lived experience and what you've seen as yourself what would you say justice is in any framework feel free to go into it and the instances where you feel there is an obvious injustice and like what then justice means or to you as Maria. You know, I've been trying to think about it this week. Let's see. Yeah. What is justice to me? Even like in things that may seem small, because my life is a lot about work currently. So if, for example, instead of leaving at five, if you have a nine to five, your boss asks you to stay back for 
a meeting or seven, let's say you finish mm-hmm. at seven and there's no compensation for that, for example. It, it, and yes, maybe in the long run, there's a benefit for the rest of the company for that two hour mm. meeting extra time. Is that a form of injustice able to me? I don't know. I've been really trying to think about it because also what I may find as an injustice to me right now mm. may be influenced by the fact that I don't have access to something. And then mm. in a few weeks time, I'm benefiting from something and I no longer view that thing yeah two weeks ago as an injustice. So mm. I, I think maybe in, in the present time, like wherever you are at that moment, I would define, I think it's easier to define injustice than justice. So mm. I like that. I would say a feeling of being treated unfairly, depending mm. on what your definition of fair and unfair is. I think you know when injustice is being done unto you and it's more difficult to define justice because mm. I think it's relative to context and environment unless we're talking about it in a broader scale where now it's mm. defined by quote unquote the powers that be so your lawmakers, policymakers or mm. even to be a, a conspiracy theorist by like cabals and whatever. So I think on a smaller scale, it really is just a feeling of being treated unfairly, depending on where you are. Yeah. Mm. So I'll define injustice. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I love how you said, I will define what it is not. <laughs> and so then <laughs> I make room for what it is. <laughs> so that's like a beautiful thing. I think also just like it changes the perspective and it helps an individual who might like you, you know like you mentioned when you said in instances where it is an a personal injustice do mm. i have the right or perhaps is it valid to have and define that as an injustice to self and if it is an injustice to self the only way that mm. i am making this decision is if i have a future insight into my current being which i don't yeah. And so it brings about, I think, also this sort of framework, I think, for justice. And I believe that there are multiple frameworks that exist in the world for what justice is, Mm -hmm. which is why I really do appreciate you saying what it is not, because you have ethical definitions for it, you have spiritual definitions for it, you have religious ones for it, and there is always a framework that is developed by a particular set of individuals or a particular set of nations for instance so like in the law of the land which we would define like currently as just like the law so whatever the constitution says however the legal framework works there is something that is termed justice and in our current systems what justice will look like obviously is through the judiciary system so there are judges and there are individuals like there are lawyers people who speak on your behalf or like on behalf of the state and so when we think about the entire sort of legal system and its responsibility to meet out justice or its responsibility to be able to facilitate justice What do you think maybe is that system working out well? (laughs) Is the justice there? (laughs) That's my question. So with that entire 
I think framework for justice and it being the highest one of the land that is <clears throat> the law and then the highest one of our existence perhaps is whatever belief structure you hold. So there's law, there's justice on two different levels and right now I want us to focus on earth. Is it working? <laughs> I think when you've met people who have had justice quote-unquote served Mm. and they're happy about the outcome you're like okay maybe it's working but then mm. at the same time you see all these things and like them defeating mm. the ends of justice and all these things happening and then you ask yourself is it like who gets to define the law that you have the the, the the judiciary system defining what justice is but at the same time, like those same people, are, that same system con- contradicts itself when you see things like this happening where people are, pay- are able to pay their way out of crime. People are able to, you know. So I don't think it's working, honestly. And then also, who, whose justice is it? Like, if you're the victim of a crime, do you get to decide what justice means to you or because right now once um, i was reading somewhere once you hand over the situation or the crime to the law or to the judiciary system mm-hmm. then they're able to appropriate it and i was like oh my goodness like it's no longer yours like oh, it's wow. no longer your crime whether you're the victim or perpetrate it's no longer your situation so that means your definition of justice or how you would like justice to be served as the victim like is taken away from you that opportunity so it's like you're giving that to this whole this system and then they're able to do whatever they want to do with it so be it they'll give you like a harsh sentence they'll or like a light sentence for a crime that is considered to be extreme it's no longer yours to decide. And I think there's a problem in with that in itself. Before we even get to, is this, is it working? Is it not working? Mm. It's who gets to, who gets to decide when justice has been served, you know? It, isn't it supposed to be the victim of the crime who says, okay, I want you to be locked away or I just want you to acknowledge you're wrong and rehabilitate. Mm. There's so many... Um, like who decided See, mm. this is how it's supposed to be for us to even determine whether or not if whether or not it's working it's who even decided for for justice to be served in the way that it is or justice to be yeah served in the way that it is now like who who decided on that whole system and mm. it working is it because more people are in jail <laughs> like there's a like is it, mm. is it is it when jails are filled up? Is that when we say okay, it's working? Is it when people get harsh sentences? Like when when do we get to say okay, it's working? Because yeah, obviously if someone escapes prison or is able to bribe officials, then we can, then we say oh, okay, it's not working. But what does it look like when it is working? Yeah, no, I love the way you ended off that statement because it also just shows that. <laughs> And, you know, in the last podcast episode that I did, 
not the last time because I was alone. The last time I had a guest, I said I promised I'm not going to speak about capitalism in this podcast because <laughs> it's about poetry. Okay, it's a Saturday morning thing. I don't want to say the word because I'm trying to embrace the goodness in life. But also, what you're speaking about leads me, I think, to another facet of our conversation where we speak about individual justice and what that mm. looks like on a personal level what does it mean when Tandega has gotten her justice and what does it mean when we say that justice has been served you know so like you were saying that there are different yeah. kinds of people who exist in the society there are individuals who will always preach about how good and effective the law system is and they'll always also mm. tell you that we should always put faith in our judges and our police forces because they know what they're doing and they trust them but also, it's sort of like there is another, there's another side to that coin where individuals are always complaining that they don't ever get justice. <laughs> so yeah. who decides the system that works for only one class of society and not another? So when we start then and we take a step back and we look at mm -hmm. individual justice, and when I think about individual justice, so I quote I not quote per se, but I will always make reference to Game of Thrones when I speak mm. to people because I feel like it was such a great description of what life is like. <laughs> it was a perfect sort of balance for me for dog eats dog. And yeah. a lot of people said that the That's ending true. was underwhelming, but I was just like, he had to eat the dog at the end. There was no other yeah. way. And I, that personal liability, that personal feeling that you have a right to protect something that is above yourself is also sort of I guess what drives this justice system that only serves one group's interest and not the other and so mm -hmm. when you spoke about prison and how who decides if you do a crime like this then you get this kind of sentence yeah. and what prison really does then if people and individuals like the very famous now Tabo Pesta who managed to escape from prison because the man had deep pockets mm -hmm. and you ask yourself then what is true freedom and true liberation and what does it mean when it says that you have received your justice is it someone going to prison is that enough justice and if it is enough justice and we spoke about earlier who the system serves then what kind of people are living in places like prisons and why should we even care uh, what kind yeah. of people are living in places like that and before you know I follow up with my question I just want to share a little uh, story I have a book club and the book club is a community project between a few friends of mine and I <laughs> we're just like mm. let's see how far we can go so we're reading Yak Yassi's Homegoing and also just like in an effort to help people read together because I think sometimes reading it's such a beautiful thing we all need to read by the way guys if you're listening to this I hope you're a reader it's important <laughs> so we all need to read right but sometimes life gets out of hand like you were saying how you haven't really watched anything lately and I think that's what life is able to steal away from us but anyway in the yeah. book we were reading there's just a, uh, a part that really did a story that really did touch me so it's a story about two sisters who get separated at birth and then they lead two completely different lives and one of the descendants of that family is H and H is a big man black who works in 
um, he lives in free, in inverted quotes, America at the time. So mm-hmm. he's a free man as defined by what we would term as the law. And so he obviously lives his life with this ideology intact that he is an owner he owns himself right so that's what personal liberation is it is i belong to myself and nobody else and Mm. so he lives his life like this under this ideology and then one day he gets arrested and then when he gets arrested he gets a sentence and how you would pay your wages for the crime you have committed so now criminalization right they criminalize something and they make you stay somewhere because you have done something wrong so the prisons are these places where individuals who have gone against the law are kept for the security of those who are outside so if at the time when we speak about back was speaking about po- uh, pre-colonial times, speaking about when slavery was still a trade at the mm. time. So people are, you know, just coming out of a trade where people are able to make a lot of money out of nothing. And then now they're not making that money anymore. And it's like, how do we make this money again? So, you know, yeah. um, Dumelo in the first episode spoke about how capitalism is a function of two things. And one of those things is productivity. So yeah. in economics, if we measure productivity by outcome, the more if you have capital and you need to make more, you have to make sure that one or two of those moving parts of the function is increasing. And so when you think about that at the time, how an individual on the outside would say, my justice has been served, but the person inside is like, I actually have no idea what I've done, but now I have to do everything that I can to get out of here. Mm. Do you think we've escaped that mentality of... I need to do everything I can to get out of here. No, like I was thinking the other day, I want to go home. Like I'm so homesick these days. I want to see my family, my mom. I mean, I appreciate being here and experiencing another country and all of that. Mm. But the fact that I can't go home when I want to go home is, you know, and, and, and my thought is if I had all of this, if I had A, B, C, D, I would have the freedom to go home anytime I want to. But right now mm. I don't. So no, <laughs> like that's like that a, mm. a very small example. I'm still able to have some freedoms to myself because of certain privileges. But mm. there are other people who are, you know, they're stuck somewhere literally because of a, a wage or a salary at the end of the month. I need to work hard so I get out of here. Looks mm. has many different shapes and forms you know mm. and I, I, I really don't think we've gotten out of there yet even as people who are not in barred prisons like we we still have you know it goes back to this thing of capitalism honestly like we're still <laughs> we're still caged you know yeah. we're still caged in that and it takes our time it, it, you don't really pay so much attention to it but so much of your time with your family with your friends with Mm. things that you want to do for yourself so much of that time is taken away from you and that's no different from someone who's incarcerated who you know doesn't have access to their family has to work to you know Mm. it's there's so many similarities there Mm. yeah I, i still think we're in little cages yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And you know, um, that's such a hectic thing, I think. I think we speak about it often, but it's also quite heavy when you 
think about it, you know, the fact that there is a requirement to practice personal liberty. So there are things that you have access to that others don't have access to. And there are things that others have access to that you don't have access to. Mm. And it sort of then shows the cracks, like you're saying, if you you take the idea back to capitalism, of um, there's a need to be free. And now I I just want to tell or move into justice. We've spent a beautiful amount of time talking about what Mm. injustice looks like. (laughs) And now I want to speak about the damned, right? So we were speaking just now about incarceration and incarceration actually I really didn't think much of it so uh, you know we'd get debate motions about prison abolition and you know know, but it's not really something that I would say I had a lot of interest in until I saw 13th documentary (laughs) and honestly that documentary really contributed a lot to my thinking I'd say because it was only then that I understood how it worked and I understood also the privatization of prisons prisons. and I I was appalled I was shocked I was like okay so these maximum zones these maximum prisons and places where people go and they're incarcerated and they're state-run prisons and then Mm. of late I've also been familiarizing myself with sort of prisons in the southern area you know and mm-hmm. when we also go back again to Tabo Besta's story <laughs> because private prison you know yeah. it was a private prison and then yeah. it makes you sort of not think hard because I think obviously like you said if you can understand what personal injustice is you would understand what a larger injustice is and we also talk about how corruption is not a victimless crime because individuals you know anything that has to do with corruption is a problem Mm -hmm. because people don't get the resources that they need So the damned in this instance can either be, honestly, when you look at things, depending on the dynamic, you can be damned in the inside or you can be damned on the outside based on the power dynamic that existed when you were being put on trial or when you were found guilty of something or not guilty of something and what Mm. that means. Yeah. Yeah, just (laughs) moving into the damned now. Would you say we should feel some sort of sympathy for people who don't have access to some resources? So the damned in this instance, we're talking about people in prison. We're talking about children who don't have access to education. We're talking mm. about women who don't have access to affordable health care. We're talking about men who don't have access. We're talking about individuals across the spectrum who face any form of injustice and no one seems to care. What do you think about that group of people? Should we help them? Do people need to work harder to get some form of justice? Is there some <laughs> crack in the system? You know, I think obviously, okay, for me, and if you have any value system or <laughs> moral system that you abide yeah. by, there's the feeling of needing to extend your hand. But then mm. in the society that we live in, it also involves giving up certain privileges that you have as well. Mm. So you find that it's only... Uh... So to answer your question, yes, I think the damned quote-unquote, should be helped. But I also Mm. think that 
the way that our society is shaped or structured, it's very difficult to do that um, unless you have, like, effectively, I would say. It's hard to do that effectively because it means you have to give up something of yours. Mm. And knowing how much time you've invested in trying to get what you have, it can put you in like a in a conflicting area where you're like, was it worth giving this up? So you find that a lot of the people who are able to help or the damned are in certain positions of power where they have not much to lose. So you find your Kim Kardashians trying to uh, push forward like the idea of prison reform or your mm. Jay-Z's, like those people in, in, in a, at a certain time of their lives, they couldn't do that because they were trying to break into industries and amass mm. wealth, basically. But mm. now they're like, okay, I have this, I have that, so now I can try and assist because it's not much of a loss to me. Mm. I have I already I'm already at a certain pinnacle of this hierarchy of society, whatever it is. So I can now mm. but if you're a Umusbani and you're just trying to build whatever that looks like and my my assistance can only go so far. That's why you have people who write. That's their contribution. You have Twitter these days. There's a whole, mm. you know, uh, you can have a whole riot on Twitter. That's some people's way of extending help. Yeah. And beyond that, you know, you're 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 really just like if you want to do it effectively. I mean, you can see someone on the street, give them some money. It's not gonna. It's not effect. It's not gonna eliminate the problem. Now, if you go into it really, then you're giving you're giving up your time, and time is money. <laughs> it means time you can't be productive money. in, you know, you can't be productive going back to capitalism and the thing that gives you money because you are you're giving that up to help the damned, quote unquote. So it's mm. it's it's hard. Personally, I think we should, but also I know that the environment that we that we exist in, and yeah. Yeah, so I think you should do what you can, but also at the same time, you're still participating in perhaps the thing that has put those people in that particular situation. So it's like a conflict. <laughs> yeah, I'm <Yeah>. conflicted. <laughs> no, fully. I think it's also valid. And um, while you were speaking, I was actually reading to look the to. I was looking to read this. <laughs> Why mm. does English do that? You're speaking and then it just decides. I'm it's just gonna... a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. <laughs> that have, is. I have a little grace. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening, you understand. We're two black girls on a podcast. With, so it's a Saturday. Oh, wow. We speak English Monday to Friday. <laughs> You know, I <laughs> we convince them to give us more money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like somebody say, everyone's trying to get the money. Everyone's trying to amass some level of wealth. And that in itself is a problem. And I want to read something from exactly. an article by William Shorkey, who is, um, writes for 
Africa as a country and it's why Tabo Besta's grift work and he writes what the Besta story reveals is the precarious foundation that underwrites all life under capitalism where it is transformed into a miserable performance of hustles and status hacks by subjecting all life to the competitive logic of the market, capitalism reduces survival, both social and economic, into a game of appearances. In the mid-20th century already, the German socialist thinker Erich Fromm witnessed the extension of commercial concept to human relations. As he wrote in the Sane Society, the whole process of living is experienced analogously to the profitable investment of capital, my life, and my person being the capital which is invested. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to succeed in the system, you need to put yourself in the center of it. <laughs> and let it work mm -hmm. through you. So it's <laughs> like, like you're saying Embrace now. It. <laughs> embrace it you know it's 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 Same it's so infuriating and it's so you wake up every morning and you know that there is a reality that exists where you wouldn't have to there's a reality that exists where you have wouldn't have to survive to get out of in, um, instances or you wouldn't have to just make it through you know mm. and i think that sort of breakdown into capitalism and what it means for us on an individualistic level and also what it means to do what you can and your contribution to certain spheres of life so like you said if you write that's your contribution and you can have an entire sort of conversation starting on twitter and that's the power of words i think and the power of collective yeah. thinking when we're able to agree on what justice means and we're able to interrogate then what an injustice is then it helps us to become better people and better individuals so you know it's sort of i'd say a trade-off between knowing what you need to do and knowing what the greatest thing to do is so mm. it's you're working <laughs> you're reverse engineering the whole product and you're like okay in order for me to do the things that matter the most to me i have to enjoy this now and i guess that's an injustice to self now and a justice mm. to future self perhaps because you know in the beginning you did speak about a sort of trade-off where you're like something might be an injustice to me and might be like a justice to another person and who exactly gets the right to define that um and when we're able to buy into i guess what i'd say the law is then we're able to trust what it isn't so there's a story this morning that was posted on a website swazi news and Depression. This, yes, this individual <laughs> who writes to Swazi News says, Hello, Bonkosi, I need help. I've just been assaulted against Silane for merely walking on the streets. No one asked me anything, nor was I doing or carrying anything dangerous or illegal. I weigh about 60 kg mm. and imagine grown men about 12 to 15 ganging oh up on me. I'm not a threat to anyone. The car was s235 he says the license plate he says editor i'm willing to do anything to make these civil servants pay whatever i can do to make them burn and if not i'll die trying but i want them to pay yeah. this individual who writes to swazi news has felt some form of injustice and demands justice and the individuals who perhaps participated in this act as well perhaps have their own justice what can i say mechanism 
that they mm. believe in and fundamentally believe is right. And when you when we think about this sort of what can I say? The difference in dynamic that exists in these areas. You also think about how there is a sort of understanding and a precedent for what I'd say rules the land. And usually when people are signing into their places of work and when individuals are taking, saying that they're going to take care of their interest, the public interest, there is like what they say, taking an oath. You know, like you take an oath to protect mm. people and that oath yeah. you take by like um, another layer now. Now we're moving into the law of, you know, bigger than this um, existence that we're going through now. Mm-hmm. So there's a thinking metric in a lot of religions where um, I've been learning about Christianity my whole life. So that's why I always refer to it. But when you mm-hmm. think about like the Bible, that's also, you'd say like a, a justice metric. And mm-hmm. knowing that you two read the Bible from time to time, what would you say justice is, you know, at the end, if all those who have wronged you are going to receive vengeance and all those they have wronged are also going to receive vengeance. Like, what do you, what is your idea of justice outside of this metric of the land? I think I, I had mentioned in the beginning, okay, if we're look, going into the Bible, there are mm. like certain texts that show God's stance. Mm. on justice where it says don't do it I'll do it for you basically um, mm. so I think there's a thing that says do not pervert justice do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly so he basically mm. is about fairness that's mm. the agenda that God pushes in the Bible in terms of justice but I think before I even get to define what justice is to me I think it's always good to look at why people do the things they do Mm. like the circumstances that led them to commit a crime Mm. or basically saying that do you commit a crime because what a crime has been committed to you and you don't know any better i know there's no ignorance in the law but Mm. people are human beings and there are certain behaviors that they pick up on there are certain things that they learn there so mm. even before you you get to decide what what justice is like what why do people do the things they do even and i think that's where that whole prison abolition like those the I, those ideologies come from is that yeah. you yes you did wrong but you need a re-entry into society because you're, yeah. you're part of it so what can we do to make sure that you understand the gravity of your crime but also get some sort of like actual rehabilitation (laughs) not the thing that you see now in prisons you know like you get actual rehabilitation and you know get back into the society like i think understanding that because if we're going to look at it from that perspective then you also understand certain things about like colonialism and slavery and 
what people actually went through to be doing the things that they do now in terms of hurting other people. I really like uh, Franz Fanon. He's a French writer. Mm. He's got this book called Rest of the Earth, and he was basically talking about how for Algerians, um, okay, so the, the, he, he starts off in a very wild way, that like the Algerian is considered to be a savage, a killer, a ruthless killer, mm. all of that. Yeah. And this was a study that was conducted by a white scholar, a colonial mm. scholar, <laughs> yeah. and all these things. And then they went to the extent of teaching people, like Algerians, like medical students, like they kept on reinforcing that. Imagine going to university as a Swazi, a medical student, and being taught that you are your people or you are naturally a killer. Like that, what that does to your your brain, you know, like what that does to your 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 psyche. Then you start to act a certain way. So, like that example, and also like many other things where black people, African people were given an identity by out like outside people mm. and then they tend to become a certain way um like what 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 justice is ser- is served there i think there's a, a big legacy of colonialism that has impacted mm. the way that we act today even as individuals even as how we define justice so for mm. me to define justice by myself and excluding that whole legacy and how I even got to see what is right and what is wrong, mm. you know, I think there's a bigger conversation on morals and who defines them, on values and who defines them, and and then by extension on justice because when an injustice is done or like when you feel like you've been wronged. It's because of what you see as right and wrong, and then mm. what made you just like define what right and wrong is mm. now and like generations before you, you know. Mm. So I don't know. I'm still struggling with. I know I've gone round and round, but my point no. is, my point is, it's hard to define justice as someone who's. As someone who is a descendant, who's a descendant yeah. when you're yeah of people who've experienced injustice in like grave ways, and that has now resulted into them being labeled a certain way. Like if you go back to the Thirteenth Amendment in the U.S., uh, basically, if if you're listening, <laughs> it's it, it, it's a it's a loophole. That's it. Basically, every state. Yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, if you're listening, it's just, it's a... Uh... <laughs> uh, so it says, uh, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been fully, have, have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Mm. Yeah, basically mm. saying, slavery doesn't exist unless you're incarcerated. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then in that you look at the numbers of people in castle like the percentage of them that are, are people of color so black, yeah. Hispanic, all of those and then you look at 
what goes on in the prison system like it's mm. it's, it's virtually free labor yeah. so that goes to say that slavery still exists but my point is that person has done a crime goes to prison is part of a is a statistic mm. goes into like that system part of that percentage of let's say the black people who are in prison you know they've done something to you but like to in a bigger you know um view there, there's a reason why they it, it was so easy for someone to throw them in jail you know it's not mm. like any justice has been served to you as a victim it's going back to that thing you have given your situation to a law that has appropriated that crime and has used it for its own benefit so now looking at who benefits from injustice you know mm. even before like you say this is what justice is it's, there's so many people who benefit from injustice from the commercialization of prison like the fact that's a thing it's crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like if the more people do wrong the more yeah. money i make yeah so and so we will continue to define even in more nuanced ways what wrong is so to be caught with weed they don't even ask you for example if it's medicinal or whatever yeah. you're gone five years yeah. for a misdemeanor yeah. so there, there's so much there like even how the media plays a role in defining what is right and wrong Defi- you know yeah. there's it's a lot <laughs> and hence like I always start with how I feel you know like why has this thing made me uncomfortable or you know is, is, there, is there any justice that's been like committed to me have i it's, it's just it's complicated <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah no i really fully feel what you just said now goes to the conversation about retribution retributive and restorative justice, justice and you yeah. know like also what you just said about why do people do what they do when you started off with your analysis and you said we need to there's sort of a bigger conversation there on why do people end up there and what kind mm-hmm. of system the entire thing is and i love the fact that you read the 13th amendment so by then i have just been speaking about 13th at this point you should just go <laughs> write it down in your notebook because no, it'll because read, it'll Duvernay, do something for you yeah Go watch 13 and then watch when they see us. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And um, also one of my favorites is... uh, What's... The Black Panthers, uh, Prisons of the Vanguard. I fully enjoyed that documentary because I felt like it encapsulated something that I'm about to say now. So while you were speaking, I was just thinking about when the first time I listened to one of the esoteric spaces on Twitter... And that is one of my favorite gifts Twitter has ever given me. You know, everything else is okay. But the day I, 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 I you know, I, I clicked on that space. I don't even know how, but it happened. And this man, um, he's the Zing One on, at the Zing One on Twitter. And uh, they run an online magazine called the Esoteric Magazine now. African Esoteric. And basically, he was just in one of his sort of lectures, I call them mini lectures, they were on Sundays at 9am, so it was just, it was my day to self-care, drink some tea, (laughs) like lather myself in butter, prepare for the week, 
I love Sundays because I feel like they're sacred, truly. And I think mm-hmm. everyone should decide <laughs> what, they, they <laughs> what they're doing on their Sundays. So never try and take up someone's Sunday if you can. Let them offer it to you. It's a peace offering. Mm-hmm. It's come and spend my Sunday with me. Mm-hmm. Don't come and steal a Sunday from someone. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So this man says when they were speaking about sort of the expectation to obey the laws, I think. And like you were saying, like a simple misdemeanor, like carrying marijuana can get you five years in prison. And for those five years, your rights are revoked, like you said. So that amendment, that amendment to the constitution Mm. says you are a free person unless we find you guilty of something. There's different statistics for each group in society. So you find that the ratios are higher for individuals of a particular group and lower for another Mm. group. And then the Y factor also is if there are so many individuals of a particular race, which is black individuals in the United States, for instance, and in our prisons, it's much more like you are probably going to find a smaller ratio of any other races except for black mm-hmm. individuals in prisons. And so when you think about the generation then that we move on and from and how people will be redeemed or like you said, rehabilitated and genuinely mm-hmm. rehabilitated and not what we see now. I think of the Shawshank Redemption where I think the name was Andy. He got incarcerated mm-hmm. and I think he shouldn't have been there if I'm getting my story correct. But mm-hmm. if I'm not, just like the amount of things that you endure in the prison system as an individual who's there, whether you mm. came in for a misdemeanor or you came in for a serious crime, both of you are going to leave the prison probably worse than you were. And if that's any rehabilitation, is it a fear-induced instrument where we say, you come to hell, you never want to go back? We, it's not a thing where you go to hell and you want to come back better. No, you go to hell and you're going to make sure you don't go back again. And it's, it's even worse because then you need a living wage outside. And if you're a person with any record of criminality, you can't get a job. So now it's like, am I trapped in a system of continuous criminal engagement and activity to get by because of a misdemeanor I made five years ago? And that misdemeanor that I made has now trapped me into sort of a system for life. And I think we've been talking a lot also about prison abolition, which I love because I think also that's where there's an integration of every class of society, which has been wrongly um, sort of, there's an injustice they have experienced that has put them in that position. Because when you think about people like the ratios, the numbers, I was listening to the radio the other day and Mm. there was just a a statistic, I've forgotten it, but about how many children went back to school this year as opposed to last year. So how many dropouts they Mm. have been in primary schools. And I was just like, what? That's a big number. You know, like that many kids just fell away from the education system in primary school. Where did they go? You know, and it's, that's the question. Those are the questions we should be asking ourselves is when individuals cannot afford to go to school, what happens to them? Because you need a certain level level of education to be able to do anything in life coupled yeah yeah, coupled with that education you need to make sure that you have no record of any criminal behavior and so you live your life trying to get by 
and then being forced a hand because everyone needs to care for their own self-interests so you know interrogating where people go at certain levels of life can help us so individuals who have fallen pregnant and cannot go back to school also fall away from the system because mm. half the time it's the woman who has to carry that entire you know experience so whether or not you have a supportive partner in your life you have to deal with that because you're the person who has carried the child and it's like an injustice as well because when two people yeah. are participating in any form of consensual sex then there's probably a baby coming isn't there so if you can't be responsible enough to show up what does that even mean so i do think that's also a form of injustice because at the point where people are just allowed to exist outside of taking care of their responsibilities as adults then it's a questionable thing and if the system is wrong and we're better people than we say we are are we better people than we say we are and are we actively doing anything to ensure Mm. that we are living within what we deem as right and just societies you know because when you spoke about justice we spoke about fairness yeah sorry let me just pour myself a cup of coffee it's okay but like i think that's what you just said now about are Mm. we really better people I think it also, sorry, I, I love Francois now, so I keep mm. quoting him. Quote, like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think that idea of being told as a person of a certain skin color or coming from a certain place or the continent, if you're told that you're inherently bad, I think we get that in different forms as um, African people from religion like the way that religion is 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 taught to us it's more from a place of fear of if you don't do this then this is where you're going so already you feel like you are like this there's bad in you and then if you're in like the way that we are made to feel like we are not good people i don't know i think there's something there in in how we one, how we judge each other, because mm. already you think you're you're more disposed to thinking someone who looks like you is wrong. Like the first thing you think of is I guilty <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and I think yeah. there's a root cause of that. Like there's there's somewhere that mm. comes from the fact yeah. that we, we like we're just taught that you're inherently bad, you're wrong, even yeah. with the men in our mm. society, like. I'm obviously not going to excuse bad behavior, but also I can't, two two things can be true at the same time. So I, yes. I can't um, exclude the fact that, for, for example, in South Africa, they had to go away and work in mm-hmm. certain places, the way that we're treated, what they were mm-hmm. called, you know, like that, there's a legacy there, there's, there's things that have been passed down there. So I think there's always going to be there's, they'll, they'll have to be at a certain point a sacrifice that has to be made to achieve this like abolitionist strategy it doesn't have to only apply to prison I know that mm-hmm. it's theoretically that's where it's used but in, in the sense that like someone has to give a bit more so that we come to a certain balance like in the sense that if you're if you're wrong 
and if we're trying to have a better society, whatever that means, a good society, am I willing to am I willing to talk about my pain but at the same time understand where you're coming from, even though your intent doesn't negate the impact? Are mm. we you know, are we um, am I able to make room for you or is that is that's not my job, even though I'm part of a greater society? Are we able to give that grace? when it comes to justice yeah. uh, it, yeah. is justice um, s- crime should equal consequence or like is that how we how we're doing things or is it incarceration where we find a way to yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's then the bigger question of how then should we handle crime with the knowledge that perhaps we should abolish prisons so if we do abolish prisons, what do we do with the people who do wrong? So you said, you know, um, two truths can coexist at the same time. And you said, mm-hmm. in as much as we cannot defend bad behavior, we also can acknowledge that most of the men were taken away and had to move away. So then what you find is like a fatherless nation. And I think someone says that in that 13th uh, documentary, I just forgot, mm. where you find that black homes... Um, had their men taken, uh, killed, put to work, you know, when they started being free, but they needed to make a living wage, they left. So how do we deal then with crime, right? From, we move from abolition and then, you know, we, then what do we do? So it's kind of like a conversation now about the balance of scales. And what I think, this is, um, I'm just the library of all the people I've met, by the way. Like, if you've ever, if you've ever known me, I just, I, I hang out with like really brilliant minds. And so I learn from them a lot. And I think there was a conversation where I was speaking to a friend and they said that punishment is necessary. And we might not like the idea of being punished but it is necessary for us to be Mm -hmm. able to understand that there are wrong things to do and there are right things to do but there's also an importance for us in that punishment metric to understand that there is a need for mercy and for me the quest the answer here is going to be biblical because i love the bible and everyone who knows me knows this because I'm always referencing it. Mm. This morning when I was reading it, it spoke about righteousness and justice. And when you look at what justice means, one of the definitions is that it is impartial or fair and it is free mm. from, let me just read it here. So it's the quality of being just, impartial or fair. And then the B definition is the principle or ideal of just dealing or right action and Mm -hmm. conformity to this principle or ideal is righteousness right so the righteousness is the justice of their cause and so i believe that with everything that is done for everything that is done wrong there should be an equal and responsive sort of action to that but isn't it funny that like when jesus came into the picture this man was talking to tax collectors <laughs> like yeah. and if you were a christian at the time you would have judged him because you would have been like Literally. what it happens it happens now like you do yeah a, so a, a little crime in the church you're out like I yeah so born. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you found you found doing what? Drinking. Hey. Uh, uh, what uh, a bad uh, individual. Uh, you, are. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you must sit down. Get out. So you know what I'm saying. So we would have judged we would have judged Jesus at the time. And every time I think about that for me, I'm like, this is insane because when you think about individuals who subscribe to a particular notion and a particular idea and now i'm going back to the conditioning Mm -hmm. part where i'm saying to you that absolutely there's plenty of conditioning and i think that conditioning just comes from repetitive ideas that you're taught and these Mm -hmm. repetitive ideas are enforced so daily that it becomes your own personal conviction right so this is Mm -hmm. the idea is that if you teach some someone something long enough they will get it And whether you're doing it indirectly or directly, the human mind simply must learn. And the human Mm -hmm. mind must learn what helps it to survive. So then, like, like that's the psychological part of things. In order for you to Mm -hmm. get through, you need to feel like I am surviving. So that's why it's so difficult to do anything if you're not in the right state. Like, for me, I know for sure, I have to sit down. There's no way I can't yeah. show up. I can't, I can't just come through because it's just not going to work, you know. So then yeah. what you find is that when you continuously teach people an idea. So there's a, there's a line in Yak Yassi's book again. I'm just like you. I quote everything. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I said, don't worry about Franz Fanon, girl. Even if you have to speak about the references to that idea only, it's okay. We'll just rock with that. So um, the line is, if you go to a white man's school, you will learn what the white man wants you to know. Mm-hmm. And you will never learn anything outside of that. And so that conditioning tells us, right, that there is a future um, out, out after this. And that future you can earn your way into, right? So there's this idea Mm -hmm. that like you do right and you do these things, then you're going to make it to another sort of, what can I say, another sort of level where there's that. But I also think that that's when we start slacking on our actual behaviors in real life. So Mm -hmm. when we spoke about fixing the problem, for me, the problem starts at the womb level, you know? It starts at Mm -hmm. the level where, is the individual who is giving birth doing okay? Mm-hmm. And then you see the interconnectivity of everything then. And you start to appreciate that everyone has a role to play, right? So when you mm-hmm. think about the injustice that one group in society will have, that injustice affects us all. So there's a line by Martin Luther King where he says, an injustice to one is an injustice to us all. To all. And the reason for that is because when there is no peace among us, then there will be no peace at all, you know. So the idea, the inherent thread of justice is that it must be carried out for all individuals in society. The victims must feel as though there is some sort of retribution. They must feel mm-hmm. some sort of rehabilitation. But all of that stems from who we are at the level of inception. If we're born into situations where we have to survive, our ideas of treating each other must be okay. on survival. Yeah. Yeah, so like survival or justice. So like if meaning I grow up and there's no justice from where I come from at all, all the people around me never receive any form of justice, then there's no way that I will be able to understand a proper dynamic of justice that works for Mm -hmm. us all. So that collective ideology is very important, I think. And that's why I'm saying for me, 
it's biblical because I do think that the highest law of the land should be to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Because when you're able to hold someone in true esteem of who they are, they suffer a lot less injustice than they would have if you didn't hold them at any esteem at all. So the failure mm-hmm. to recognize that individuals next to you have some sort of meaningful participation in the world is what leads to injustice. That's a that's a perfect world. Uh, I wish everybody would would, would um, you know, I guess try and move past their sort of trauma uh, and you know treat people with with love and respect. And like what you're saying, hold people in like the same way that they'd want to or love people as they love themselves Mm. but it's 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 not the case like people will project um people have their own ideas of what is right and wrong um but i guess that i think i've seen it here but then also this is after a traumatic experience that they've had in this country but there's a um, there's an article I don't remember the person's name but it's called the perils of obedience so what 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 they talk about is that people um, will fulfill the request of like a an authoritative figure mm. like you will do something even at the expense of your own judgment like of your own values or Take an example of a, a, a teacher and the students. If the teacher says, I need you, like, you can feel mm. you're hungry, but, like, you're not going out for break or whatever. Yeah. So I think, I guess even in terms of um, instilling, like, a a justice system that, I don't know if it's, it's possible to make everyone happy, but the majority, mm. going back to the social contract, but, like, the majority, then... Mm and you're you have some sort of authority then maybe like mm. we'll get to a point where um you're able to be punished but also rehabilitated and that makes sense mm. but <laughs> but if you have a, a, an authoritative figure who who doesn't even exercise justice themselves who imprisons people who like for 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 speaking up for other people who, you know, then indirectly or directly, that's that's the sort of um, over time. That's what you learn as well. If, if if a leader is corrupt, for example, you have people, you know, but the, the like the, the the fiber, the moral fiber of that place, now it starts to change. Yo, yeah, no, that's I love that, and I think, like you said, there has to be some sort of trade-off i think and i'm just remembering also now that i used to stay um when i was studying in a place in parktown and that was really close to constitution hill and Mm -hmm. constitution hill is now used also as a venue for events but Mm -hmm. before that was a woman's prison in johannesburg so yeah (laughs) it is (laughs) it was a woman's prison in johannesburg so sometimes i'd just be privileged enough to live close to you know in Joburg you could be living close to a very important like place and you wouldn't even know it but like the beauty of being able to just pass by there after school on your way home is a privilege and so um some something about also just the conversation I think mostly leaning towards uh, men also because it's gendered 
Mm. It's also like what we've been speaking about, you know. And I think when you also think about the other side of the coin where individuals are going to places like prisons as women and what that meant for them, you know, further injustice inside, which I think is the common thread also across all parties. Like you're going to face a larger amount of injustice inside than you did outside. And from, like you Mm. said, authoritative figures who, when there's a power dynamic there, it becomes a little bit difficult to exercise your own individual rights. Mm. And power dynamics are dangerous because they don't allow full freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. So um, even on like high political levels now, there are things that you can say and things that you cannot say. Like even the conversation that we were having in the religious framework, there are things that you can say and things that you cannot say in church. And, you know, you look at you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, is any of this actually um, going to lead to, can we fix a broken system? <laughs> can we fix a broken system? We're just I'm running tired. around. I'm and tired. At, yeah, no, I think, you know, so it's like, does the conversation have to be about, you know, continuing or do we just burn and start again? I don't know because... At one point, you are... I remember when I first got here. Oh my gosh, we've spoken for so long. When I first got here, uh, I think I was like... Okay, so before coming to Rwanda, mm. I'm introduced to the concept of feminism and, and all of that. Yeah. I, I think uh, we've had this conversation. I, like, I felt mm. different in, in in certain spaces and circles because of how I was raised. It was... I, I, I always say I'm an accidental feminist because of like, <laughs> how I was raised, the, the values that were instilled in me and everything. And then I, I couldn't relate like to, to certain things that people would say to me. I was mm. not in that space until I read like certain stuff and I, I was, my mind was open. I was like, okay, I'm not alone in this. This is not abnormal. This is how actually it should be. And then after that, like realization, then the rage comes in. <laughs> Mm, that you, yeah. you're just shocked at how much um, people like at, at how how much women go through let me say that and yeah you know you, you're just filled with rage and whatever and so when I got to um, I went to AOU for context the school which is like a pan-african school so you have you really are experiencing a culture shock every week <laughs> Because it's like <laughs> people are from like all over the continent. Uh, so I was like a mandlering. I was on my Winnie Mandela vibe. I was like, I we need to yeah. we need to fix things because you're just <laughs> you're filled with rage, the, all that adrenaline. You read things. You you're just ah angry. <laughs> and then you keep going and you talk to people and then you just realize at some point you get tired after the rage. Your adrenaline comes on. You get tired and then you realize that sometimes the people you're speaking you don't even understand the people you're speaking for and that so many things are nuanced like you you don't get like the person in let's say it doesn't like the woman in a disenfranchised community has a different idea of what freedom looks like to them yeah and the person in like a the city or whatever the woman has like a different idea to of what freedom looks like to them and you and then now like it turns back to you but see like how do you speak up for 
because we're so different in, in, in the sense that like is it even possible to have like a collective idea as you were saying earlier of what justice is and what people should because we're like we're so different and it's tiring and so it, it sort of comes back to you to like am i am i willing to sort of speak up for people when i don't even understand gosh like yeah what they're looking what what type of freedom and liberation they're looking for yes you know, so it's absolutely complicated <laughs> difficult yeah so, no, i don't know I, if it's, we're ever going to fix it is what i'm trying to say yeah i think the collective ideology that we spoke of you know so just like you need to be able to buy into something on a higher level you know so when mm. i spoke about the law of the land and then the law the higher law but while also interrogating what kind of dynamic we exist in so do you exist in a world where you understand that justice needs immediate action or are you kind of like you know what uh i'm just gonna let god handle it you know so and also if that is like i don't know not taking any accountability or it's also sort of a contribution that you are making to the world so you know there's a lot of systems that are currently in place so the mm. current and popular one obviously is uh, capitalism and it's a game of snatching and grabbing um, and what a game of snatching and grabbing is is basically how powerful am I to be able to take over more territory because in order mm. for you to stay ahead of the game you always need to be fighting you know and so it's not possible for us to change anything under this current system i promise that uh because it's a crisis you know it's it, you can't fix a machine when it's con- it's it's moving you know we still have to wake up and feed our families you know if you're a breadwinner at home you kind of don't even have an option to tap out you know what i'm saying yeah. you're tired maybe you're a little sick now and you have four kids, for example, and all those four mm-hmm. kids still need you to support them because when they leave institutions, they don't get any jobs. So it forces everyone's hand in a way where you're like, I have a personal responsibility to take care of mm-hmm. the individuals who are immediately next to me. I remember one time I was sharing with my boss and I'm like, Yo, I think I'm going through an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> This was every Friday. Yeah, every third week I'm like, yo, I, I think I'm That's going through something. I'm and like, he's what like, what's going on? Literally, I see that man deals with the lords because I just wake up and I'm like, whoa, cause yeah, what's going on? Like, you know, and I'm such a why person, and so I was just like, you know, I was reading about Pfizer this week. Do you know they're getting sued? <laughs> and uh-huh. that's that and sent me down a spiral. You know, and I'm just like the whole thing made me mad, man. I think I was mad for two weeks. I was like, yo, can't believe this. Delusion, like, delusion is the best way. I, I think that has helped me. I'm delusional, and that's <sighs> that's it. <laughs> because I've taken the shot. Do you get? I, I've taken the shot. Now you're getting sued for what? Why are you getting sued? It's, let, let me just read the <laughs> So, listen, I I was fully upset, right? And I, when I say I was fully upset, that's what I mean. Because I was so angry. And the, the, he just said, listen, there's nothing to do about it now. And it was liberating Honestly. and true at the same time. It happened. But how do we move forward and ensure that, like, these instances of injustice don't happen? There's... 
my answer, my personal answer, this is Tandega Malaza's answer to the problem, mm. overthrow the whole thing. Like, overhaul, overthrow, start afresh. Because there's no yeah. future. There's no but future, like, don't you think, right? Don't you think that... Because yeah. uh, I was thinking about it, because I also have multiple existential crises every day. <laughs> when I'm thing, I'm just like, what's this? Mm. So, I was thinking about it, if you look at even pre-colonial times, I don't think mm. it's changed. I don't think any. I think for t- today, this is what I think. I might change my mind. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, see, if we're gonna go with the Game of Thrones analogy, or like just looking at pre-colonial times, yeah, even yeah. Nala in Rwanda. The reason why uh, they're called Rwanda. This is information from a friend of mine. So if it's incorrectly, actually. Is like Rwanda means Gwanda, like Gwanda, like to increase. Mm. So they would conquer kingdoms, like and expand land. Same thing with the story of Shaga Zulu. Mm. His mission was to ex- increase, and all the people who are Zulu now, who are not necessarily Zulu back then, are very proud to, to be Zulu. Like that whole idea of you, you serve, you serve the interests of your immediate. Be it self, if you're alone, be it uh, of the interest of self, then maybe kids or wife or like immediate family before like yeah. expanding or whatever. It, it doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process or who's like an injustice is who's served an injustice. It doesn't really matter as long as me near like my family, the land that is it increases then it's okay and that's been happening for so i don't know how we're gonna turn the whole thing around because i feel like yeah. it's been a consistent theme through time even in the bible like mm. people are waging wars go get the land yeah. god is saying okay some people had god on their side but still the <laughs> idea remains the same because yeah. you go there conquer the land and occupy it yeah so the the, the idea has always been this so i don't know if capitalism is just a modern day form of what has always been like there uh, and something that's not gonna change yeah change so is it better to just (laughs) i don't know we're just like okay let me because even if you work as hard as you can there's certain things that you because that there's that whole idea of work hard and you will which is not necessarily always true but then the principle of capitalism in itself is be productive, get more, and then you know you have your land, you have all of these things. Like, is, should we just let it be as it is? And I, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to overhaul because it's been there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just, it just takes different forms now. Yeah, and um, um, you're right. No, you're right because um, the alternative that we discussed in the first episode with uh, Dumelo was the God economy, <laughs> which is like I said, my answers are always they end up at that conclusion. So that capitalism will continue to exist because it is a function of productivity and land, mm. and so by virtue of there being productivity, there will just be a capitalistic intention. So like. Overhauling the system, I think, just like means stop taking a position of uh, modesty when it comes to protecting what you believe is wealth. And this goes back to, I think, a leadership conversation where it's like, 
if you are black currently right now, what does that mean for you? And then the idea that we interrogate then under this is being a black individual in terms of access to anything, resources, money, you are you don't have anything right now. The middle class in our countries, perhaps the Rwandan atmosphere is just a bit better, but the climate for black individuals in South Africa, in Southern Africa, is not mm. a beautiful looking one because the middle class yeah. in and of itself can't afford basic things like little necessities in life. They are over indebted. Like they're they two can't... paychecks away from being homeless. <laughs> yes. And I, I in, in society it's so funny how we make fun of broke people and it's like, listen, it could be you. <laughs> like it could yeah. be us. Like yeah. we don't laugh yeah. about that because the possibilities of that happening are possible it's it's possible and then when you think about that then why would you want to maintain a system that doesn't allow you to participate so you like you said you work hard your whole life and you're just trying to have something but a living and working wage is never going to make you wealthy a working wage is going to pay your bills it's going to pay your debts you are being leased out and you're paying your own rent the state takes your taxes because of a social mm. contract and you get nothing in return. That should make us all angry. If the public hospitals are not working and I cannot afford to pay for medical health care, where do I go? If I would like to use the roads to my house, I can't because they are underdeveloped and they don't work. There's only a specific amount of people in a community that benefit from it. So perhaps we can't overhaul the entire system, but let's make sure that the people who are making enough are giving back to those who aren't. And people are like, oh my gosh, I worked so hard for this. But like we spoke about capital in the beginning and where it comes from. Yeah. The only way right now that you are extremely wealthy is if your family has ties to the injustices that happened to multiple people back in the past. Mm -hmm. Because capital just doesn't come from anywhere. It's a function of productivity and labor. So how were you able, productivity and land. So how were you able to amass so much land in Southern Africa if your family is not from here? Let's have that conversation. And then let's talk about mm -hmm. how you positively contribute to the growth of the individuals from who you took this land from. We cannot act like we exist in silos, is my chat. Like, they, we, we come from somewhere, you know. Let's interrogate that relationship with the current present times. And let's have a thorough sort of solution for all parties involved, you know. So just to, like, sort of end off, I think, the conversation, um, I want to talk about... We've been speaking about a lot about colonialism and how it works and, um, you know, wh why we are where we are. Now I just want us to interrogate the goodness and badness of people over time. So you spoke mm. about how it's it's been here for a long time, you know, capitalism, pre-colonial times even. That's how people would go. They divide, they conquer. And you spoke yeah. about what I love. You said in the Bible even, they also used to do that. So is it just a thing that's there? Is it inherent human behavior? If there is no difference between a pre-colonial and a post-colonial sort of narrative, is um, the conclusion that we are doing what we're meant to do here on Earth um, hmm. yeah, are we doing that? Is it just, is there a need then for us to change or move towards something or are we just acting as we should be by 
human design? This is a difficult one to answer right now mm. because you, if you look at it in the sense of its inherent human behavior, I think that's because you, this could be one of the reasons, is you really haven't felt like it, there's a level of privilege <laughs> that you have to say that to be like oh yeah no this is how we are let's you know let's keep but at the same time on the other side if you've really been hurt by like the system like gakul then you're probably like no let's change this because of a personal experience or something i don't know mm. i don't know i don't know if it's inherent human behavior i don't know if it's something we could change but i know it's yeah. there i know we participate in it mm. i know we are all trying our best for ourselves, our families. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, I just know that it's something that's there. And actively every single day, you can't stop. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you stop, then there's that idea of that you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to take care of yourself. You're not gonna be able to take care of, you know, things that you have to because yeah. So I don't yeah, know. It's something yeah. that I'd have to think about. You know, it's something that I'd have to think about. Mm. What I yeah. do know is, it's something that exists, is rife, and we all, in one way or the other, participate. I don't know if it's better to be aware of it and try and find ways to. I don't know not contribute to it as much or if it's better to be just ignorant and just go with it and build your wealth or whatever i, I don't know which is better <laughs> but yeah it's there yeah. i agree with you i think none of us can actually know to be fair but i do think there is room for positive change with regards to behavior yeah. and policy reform i definitely think that our leaders have much more of a responsibility than they're taking on and sometimes i can even say there's a little bit of slacking there because i think maybe there's a fear like we spoke a lot extensively about power dynamics and if you're listening mm -hmm. to this i hope you've been following through i think the justice conversation can never be absolute to be fair and i think yeah. what we've addressed are just the characteristics and the forces of conversation which is what this podcast is all about for something to be inherent there has to be you know some sort of common trait i think so mm -hmm. there has to be a common thread that binds us and that makes us who we are and if you believe in a higher power or if you have some sort of framework that you live by um, all of those frameworks have an, a theme of justice there's a theme of justice there regardless of what it is so even in this mm -hmm. kind of system that we live in there is a theme of justice is it being upheld is the question or are we fading in some parts and if we're fading in some parts is it just the way that things are going to go because that's who we are and we spoke about where people come from. And so, like I said, 
the only way that we change anything is by ensuring that everything in life is well taken care of. And by taking care of things, it yeah. means that you must see all individuals as people. So the existence of things like tribalism, the existence of things like all isms, racism, sexism, is rooted in this idea that you are not as important and hence I should mm-hmm. get better access to things. The minute we ditch that mentality, the minute we ditch that ideology of being better and sitting on a pedal of some sort. And you spoke about this extensively in the conditioning part, right? Where we spoke about Mm. there has to be something in the religious framework where individuals are conditioned to believe in something. And if that conditioning is supposed to be producing better adults, are we winning at that or are we losing as well? So interrogating this sort of history and like historical framework with regards to the responsibilities that we have to ensure that justice around us is always served then it's important i really do appreciate you coming on here and speaking about these really difficult ideas justice is a big idea so starting off the conversation and just being like actually let's define what injustice is i think it's the same conversation we'd be having in a softer undertone if we spoke about love because we're able to define what it isn't right like we can tell you that doesn't seem like an act of love by interrogating the fundamental principles of what it does mean to love someone so thank you so much for sharing your insights with the tea with tea podcast and everyone drinking their tea while they listen to us and um you know just to i don't know come back to one experience for yourself where you feel like an injustice uh, was done unto you and you got your justice back is there you got your justice served sorry is there an instance of that even if you had to okay could you tell us about that one beautiful instance so we can tell people (laughs) that the world is not all gloomy and we're actually very wholesome (laughs) we don't just cry we are also grateful yeah but I was working for uh um certain lady and it was it was a hard job i won't lie like in terms of like the environment as well uh, if you've ever had a hectic boss you know how much it affects you like mentally like your self-esteem and all of that it was really hard so okay hi i got to a point where i'm like okay this is too much and obviously mm. find the courage to leave yeah boom Safe yeah enough and then i'm like okay done and then when I never took any leave days because it was virtually impossible with the type of person that I was working for. So you're supposed to calculate all of that money, whatever, like you sort of like your package as you leave the place. So I leave here. This is around September uh, of that year, in case she's listening. <laughs> and then, uh, so I leave the place and then um, I'm waiting to be paid. So she was virtually like refusing to to pay me. Um, mm. I was very scared because one, she's a very important person here. Mm. Her like the family that she comes from, the connections that she had, it was very easy yeah. for her to be like, "No, this is to get me the point." Basically, it was it, mm. it was super easy like the reach that she had. So for like a week or so, I was like wallowing in my pain, like just sad. You see, okay. What am I gonna do? Um, what's my next? Do I go back home? Do I, you know, mm. all of those questions? 
And then um, I was like, no, man, let me try it. So I was like, what's that question? What's the worst that could happen if I get deported to back mm. home to my mom's house? That's okay, you know? So gathering myself and then, so I started writing to her, can she please pay me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, let me actually seek legal counsel. Mm. And I did, like, that was my first time ever, like, fighting someone to, where, where actually the law worked for me. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I saw, lawyers were too expensive. So I found an organization actually, um, that provide, provides like legal services for free. They actually specialize in providing legal services for land conflict in the rural areas. Yeah. But I was like, let me try. So for, for people who can't afford legal fees, um, yeah. So I went to them and they helped me. Mm. So they, they they literally helped me fight for my pay and she paid me. And mm. I couldn't believe it because I was like, this woman like has all the power in the world to wow. to do anything she wants to do. Yeah, but it worked out. And I was really proud. I was super scared. You know, I was scared. I was nervous. I was like always counting down my days. Like, okay, this is it. I'm leaving because, you know, she could... But then she she paid me so i think that was like a big part of um me feeling like okay i can always try and fight um yeah especially if i have nothing to lose i think that's another thing with fighting yeah, for justice I, is, yeah you know, it's like no what, but what, i'm really happy yeah what are the repercussions of you fighting because a lot of people get uh harassed for example at work but yeah. they can't speak up because yeah. if you do then that's the end of your job I love that and um, that's just one form I think an instance and scenario that justice does prevail sometimes even for individuals who are at the less beneficial end of a power dynamic so you are in this instance the party that was in a you were the one where you had an authority figure and so I'm really glad that worked out for you and I think that's just one instance of justice meaning that you get what is owed to you you know so yeah. i'm happy that at the end of the podcast we're able to finally be like yeah justice is getting what is owed to me so in all the different forms that i exist in and so far as i get justice then all is going well so but thank you so much yes. i'm sorry to <laughs> the question the i was like girl yeah, yeah they, they must know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just because I got my money back doesn't mean the effects of like that abuse are gone, you know. I still second guess myself a lot. I still have like issues with like when someone plays on your imposter syndrome. So all of that is still I'm still in therapy for that. Mm. But I got my money back. So yeah, more, <laughs> yeah. Justice was served mm. but to a certain extent. Yeah. To a certain extent, the limitation, yeah. the limitation part yeah. now. Damn, I guess. Um, what's that saying? We have to be happy about the justice that we get, but we still want more. Yeah. So that's why we know there's a problem. You know, you yeah. having a limitation in that also that freedom of expression. So, mm-hmm. I think it's and sort of a, a a realistic way to end the the podcast episode by just saying yeah. that. You know, in the the damned, which in this instance, Bani was the one who was being damned. You know, I don't give yeah, a damn. I, <laughs> I don't give a damn. She wants her money. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 
she wants me to say sorry i don't care so it's like you're the yeah. damned so when you think about the damned think about individuals like yeah you know you got your justice but was it a full level package of justice did you really get everything you deserved or were there some repercussions so just like what you were saying of like in your pursuit of justice there has to be a conscious decision to be able to deal with the consequences of whatever decision you make because you still live in a society that is very much in unjust especially mm. if you i think w- women experience this a lot more um when it comes to harassment uh sexual harassment in particular like you just walk in the street and you experience things where it's like <gasps> you're just comfortable enough to say that to me it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're just comfortable enough to just touch me. It's okay, you know, like, so you never really get your full package of justice. Um, I had to text the man and promise him that I was going to punch him if he ever touched me yeah. like he owned me again. I was like, you don't know me enough to just be touching me um like even this. if you're yeah. like touching me on my waist it's inappropriate don't do that like you don't know me so why are you doing it like that so it's sort yeah. of like this instance where i feel like i've been able to give myself my own justice and my own liberation by fully saying what i think and not being afraid of the repercussions of that if you ask me a question and i do feel like I experience some form of injustice. I will let you know, even on a personal level. You wrong me. I will let you know if you ask me. I will not lie because I do feel like that's an injustice to myself now. And I never oh, used yeah. to look at it like that, right? So this is just my sort of injustice. Is hasn't this been a beautiful conversation? Because look at us. We've been exploring the dynamics, and when you started off the the speaking, you were just like the future and the present, and now was yeah. also speaking about how these two dynamics exist where there's an individual layer of justice and then there's an external layer of justice so i think we've just been toying around with those ideas and like also as i'm closing off i'm even speaking about how you know there's this layer of personal freedom and you were speaking about your instance of an external sort of justice and i'm speaking about sort of a personal layer yeah. of justice where you have to own and liberate yourself so Liberation begins in the mind, I believe, and when you're liberated enough to understand something and to be able to live in that conviction, it allows you to move towards higher levels where you're sitting in the same thinking rooms and the people that you're around have the same belief structures. Collectivism is very powerful, and I think African societies benefit a lot more when we are moving towards common ideas as opposed to not even speaking about them at all. Yeah. Oh, this is heavy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want us to say goodbye now and um the the way that I would like for us to say goodbye is just to um yeah, just you telling us what you think what you think sort of um I think I've spoken about my personal one, but I just like your individual justice system, like what people can do for themselves, little acts of justice and spreading mm-hmm. the spreading sort of, what can I say? Just this little, fo- little bubbles of justice to move towards a bigger picture. So yeah. yeah. Can you share that with us? What like little, little justice bubbles that have a ripple effect. What do those look like in the average, like no day to day life? How are we able to keep the idea of justice preserved without having to 
fully tip over the scales or overthrow the system. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> of course. I think, honestly, one, there's little acts, but I think you know, um, mm. for me, it's because of, like, back to my moral and value system again. Mm. It's like a, a conscience thing. If you if someone is selling uh, an orange at five in Malangi, like some can say goa with how the economy is, but you know, trying to negotiate down they don't have anything. Why not why not just buy it? Especially if you have buy the orange at five in Malangi. Or at work even. You you don't have to storm into your boss's office and say, don't do that to this person or to me or whatever, but there are ways that you can mm. speak up for people. Sometimes not even like a grand gesture, just validating someone's feelings of yeah. being wronged. Because people can come to you and say, this happened to me. And you sort of making space for that, holding space for that and validating their feelings and like how something impacted them. You know, can yeah. liberate them as well and make them believe that yeah, actually something wrong did happen. Instead of gaslighting, something wrong did happen to me, and and I cannot decide what to do with it. But I am convicted that something happened to me. So, however I move forward, at least there's that acceptance. It's just validating people's emotions or feelings when they come to you about certain things, especially harassment. Mm. <laughs> If you're hearing this, you have gotten to the end of our conversation. So while we clean up our platters and cleanse our palates in preparation for the next session of Tea's Finely Brewed Tea, please follow, like, and share this podcast with your friends, family, and whoever you like. And if you are looking for me because you want to talk to me, tag me, mention me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And my handles are in the episode description. Thank you for sharing a fine meal with tea.